Welcome to We Built This Life. I'm your host, Jennifer Walker, and this is the podcast that mainly tells stories about entrepreneurs and small business owners and how they built their working lives from the ground up. This is episode 20, which will focus on Teresa Cangelosi, the owner of So Botanical, a holistic aromatherapy apothecary in Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you so much for listening today. Hello, thank you so much for being here today. I'm your host, Jennifer Walker, as you heard in the intro. And this is episode 20, which represents a big personal milestone for me. I've always been gunning for episode 20 as my big podcasting goal. And I'm so excited about this episode because it's my first interview episode in a year. And it was great fun to get back to talking to someone else about how she built her small business. So today's episode is going to focus on Teresa Cangelosi. She owns So Botanical, which is a holistic aromatherapy apothecary in Baltimore. There are two locations in Baltimore where you can find So Botanical's products, one in Federal Hill and one in Lower Hamden West. And they also have a warehouse. So Botanical specializes in offering high-quality, pure essential oils and custom formulation of natural products, primarily organic skincare and body care. Teresa has had a business that focuses on essential oils since the late 80s. So she's really been working with oils since before they were a big thing in the United States, which gives her an interesting perspective, I think, about what it's like to build a new business around a product that is not as well known and that requires some education to alert others to its benefits. So in this episode, Teresa will talk about how her interest in essential oils developed and how she went from there to being a business owner. She'll talk about when she had to shift her focus as far as the types of products she was offering and what that was like. So that's really interesting to hear. I love hearing how businesses evolve. She'll also touch on the importance that essential oils can play in one's life. You know, she talks a little bit about the impact that they've had on her and particularly in terms of end of life care, the role that they can play, which I thought was really interesting to hear about. And then like every episode on here, I like to ask people about the challenges they face, the risks they've taken, what they wish they knew when they started their business and their best advice for other small business owners. So Teresa will cover all of that. Before we get started on today's episode though, I'd like to highlight a few of So Botanical's products that I've really enjoyed. So Teresa makes a black soap for skin issues like eczema. I mentioned this in my last episode that I found to be very gentle and soothing when my eczema was raging last summer. So I really like that soap a lot. I actually have a bar in my bathroom closet that I'm waiting to use and I can't wait to break into. She also makes a deep repair hand cream. It smells amazing. It smells better than any hand cream I've ever tried and it actually does moisturize your hands, I find. I get extremely dry hands, but the scent is just next level. I highly recommend that product. And then in the Federal Hill store, which is the store I've been to, they have a soap bar. I don't know if that's what they would call it, but it's like a shelf with slabs of soap in all different colors and scents and There are paper bags there so you can choose your own soap. But it's nice because you can see and feel and smell the soap and then you choose which ones you want. And to me, they smell better than any natural soap I've tried. They have a really vibrant scent. In my experience with some kind of natural soaps, the scent can be really quiet and hard to find. But with Teresa's soaps, the scents are there. They're really present, really lovely. And the soap bar, again, my term, is just really fun to explore. So again, thank you so much for listening today and let's get into Teresa Cangelosi's story. 
Teresa Cangelosi found essential oils in the mid-1980s when she was in Europe, and they had a big impact on her at the time when she was in her mid-20s or so. I was introduced to the oils in 1984. I was a flight attendant at the time, and I witnessed them in Europe. I've had a really cool route, did a London route, Baltimore, London, and then we did Frankfurt and a couple other Euro cities. And Germany, they've always been into natural products and essential oils was big, big in Germany and definitely in London, UK, I mean, and France. Those were the key areas that really it was happening. And they have very strict rules there compared to the US regulations and stuff. So they were serving up the essential oils really in the corner pharmacies, like our CVSs. They were out and about. There was always large areas of natural and truly natural, not gimmicky natural, where the label looks natural, really, really natural. And you could find it really all over. In the UK, there were lots of businesses already happening. So I would stumble upon some of those. Just kind of fascinated, honestly. Just what is in this magical bottle here that's so tiny and cheap? You know, even then it wasn't cheap. So my interest was picked by them, but I'll tell you, I did not experience them. I was just always curious about what was in those tiny little bottles. So that was my first observance of them. Really, my first experience was them was in 1986, and I was working at an organic cafe, and a fellow was importing from France. He was probably the first importer of essential oils into the U.S. and knew that there was a market there. You know, it was just starting to come on in California and hardly anywhere in the United States. And he brought them in and I smelled them and I immediately was drawn to them. Long story short, I purchased quite a bit of them myself outside of what the health food store purchased. And I just immediately saw things take place with physical, emotional, spiritual, that it was actually a really profound time for me. And I said, this is where I want to study. This is where I want to take my life, my career path. I want to do whatever I can to learn more about this because I'm seeing such an amazing shift here with my own skincare. I had alopecia at the time. I had cystic acne at the time. I was coming off of a lot of trauma, you know, it goes on and on. But it really was, I think, the key that shifted things or started the shift. Rosemary was the first oil that I dealt with. And it was interesting because there was no books at that time at all. There was one book and it was in French. So I really didn't know what I was doing. I just enjoyed the smells because I knew they were natural, but I didn't even know what they did. There wasn't even pamphlets that they were putting out on uh, safety measures or whatever. But it, it was interestingly enough, rosemary is the oil. If you want to work with alopecia or hair follicles, that is your key oil for that. And a couple of the other oils just somehow fit into what I was working with, you know, with the skincare and with the emotional releasing. But that was kind of the initial very, very first steps in how I got into it. And you saw the shift pretty quickly with the, was rosemary predominantly the one that you were using back then? There was a handful. There wasn't that many available. Rosemary, lavender, lang lang, tea tree. There was a mandarin or an orange. I forget. There was some kind of a citrus, a cedarwood. I think that was all that was available to us like right away. Oh, wow. You know, that was it. Yeah. Quite a difference. Yeah. Yeah. What was your own health journey like? Did you grow up around the culture of health or did you find that a little bit later or as you got older? I found it later. I grew up very toxic household. <laughs> 
diet was the meat and potatoes diet, heavy meat. I was very heavy as a child. I would probably consider myself obese as a child, you know, on, on that level. I was the kid that was always teased in school because I was bigger than everyone, bullied, that kind of thing. When I was 16, I became vegetarian and I was also a swimmer at that time. So I did start losing the weight and really trimmed down. But a lot of physical, emotional, sexual abuse went into that time. So really the introduction into the natural and the natural food and the natural product was kind of a huge shift for me in my early 20s, mid 20s specifically. And that's when I went vegan, I really saw major, major shifts, major shifts take place. So that really is when I saw the shift. And over the years, it's been a progression with better and better quality foods and supplements, things like that. But I didn't come from that at all. And I guess that people have to know you can shift at any time you know, in your life, you know, if you want to really work on something, there's an ailment or there's, there's things going on and you're willing to set your mind to it. You can do a lot of good for yourself. It's never too late. Okay. So as Teresa said, it was 1986 when she began to realize that she wanted to work with essential oils, that they were having this profound impact on her personally and on her health and that she wanted to share that with others. So I just want to step back for a minute and just briefly talk about what essential oils are, even though we've come a long way. And I think most people are aware of them now. It's just, it's nice to have some background. So essential oils are substances that are isolated from plants that are single botanical species that is taken almost word for word from Encyclopedia Britannica. And these plants, of course, have an odor, they have a smell. And Encyclopedia Britannica says that essential oils are stored as micro droplets in the glands of plants. And after diffusing through the walls of the glands, the droplets spread their odor. So that's a little bit of the science behind it. Essential oils can be isolated from plants in different ways. I didn't ask Teresa how the people she works with isolate the oils, but she does use 100% pure oil and no synthetics in her products, which I think is important to point out. And you'll hear us talk more about that later. And essential oils, how can they be used? Again, just a brief refresher. They can be inhaled. They can be diffused in the air with the use of a machine called a diffuser. You can take the scent in that way. They can be applied topically in diluted solutions, so they'll be mixed with other things to dilute their potency. There are some companies that market essential oils as safe to take internally to ingest, but Teresa says on her website that essential oils should not be taken internally unless under supervision from a qualified aromatherapist. So on Soap Botanicals website, there are about 45 single note oils available. So this would be everything from peppermint, tea tree, and lavender, blood orange, spearmint, turmeric, the list goes on. And then there are about 45 synergy blends that, that are available. So some examples of a synergy blend. There's the Sobo Essential, so Sobo being South Baltimore. And that's a blend of lemon, geranium, and hoewood, which is a large evergreen tree. And this essential oil is marked as being helpful with eliciting feelings of enlivening, uplifting, balance. And then on the calming end of the spectrum is quell, which is a blend of rosalina, eucalyptus, cypress, Roman chamomile, and pine. And that is good for reducing stress or even for congestion. So it's fun to look around the website to see what they have and what kind of feelings the scents of certain essential oils can invoke when they are used. 
So, Teresa's business has had many different names before she landed on So Botanical, and her offerings have expanded beyond essential oils into custom products and education. In her early days of owning a business, she also carried products from other small businesses, but through all of the custom work that she's done, so that's, you know, making products specifically geared to a client, or what kind of sense they're looking for or needs they have, that has shifted Teresa into only offering her own line of products through So Botanical. But I'm getting ahead. Everything began when Teresa was working with essential oils in a health food store, and that led her to open her first small business in 1987. I was kind of messing around with these oils, and I was still at the health food store, and I asked them if I could do a business within the business, and they allowed me to have two large cases where all I did was the oils I did just worked with the essential oils, you know, and introducing them to people while I was in the health food store. That was 1987. That name was Crystal Blue Persuasion. That was for one year till 88. In 1988, I realized there were a lot of people interested in essential oils. And um, that's when I moved out and opened my first retail store. And that store was called Touch the Earth. That store under Touch the Earth lasted till 2003. When I came to Federal Hill, I mean, this is like, we're at store number 12 now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. We're, it started in Mount Vernon, numerous ones in Mount Vernon. Then we were over in the can company. I had a treatment facility in Green Spring Station. And then I came to Federal Hill and four locations in Fed Hill. We changed our name a couple times. It actually, it was Life Smells Good for a while. We got hit with like trademarking. You know, we hadn't trademarked our name. Other people said, you can't use that name anymore. So we finally changed it to So Botanical, which was like South Baltimore, So Botanical. And we did our own trademarking. So we were able to keep that name. But that was, you know, the shift over the years was because other people said, you can't use our name anymore. <laughs> Even though we had been using it for years, you know, but the trademarking, you know, we hadn't gotten savvy with that. So that must have been frustrating. It was a lot of different labels and, you know, you have to shift gears, but all in all, it worked out good for us. So what was the climate like when you first opened the store? Did you find that you were providing a lot of education to the customers who came in the store about what aromatherapy was and what the benefits were? Or did people kind of already have some familiarity with this modality? Yeah, it's full on education. And that was the exciting part about it. There was no internet at the time. There was no information. There were no books. Really, our second store, there started becoming a couple books available and we carried those immediately. So it helped out with the education. But there was a huge interest because no one had seen this before. It was it was really a kind of a fun time because no one knew what these little bottles were. Now I think you go anywhere and see them and you know exactly what you're working with. You, you know that's essential oils. But people were, were very curious what was in these tiny little bottles that were in blue or brown containers and why did it smell the way it smelled and what was it about? So there was a lot of education involved. And I started taking classes and training almost immediately. Most of my teachers at that time were out in California or the UK. So I traveled as much as possible just to learn myself. You know, it was a brand new field. And as you started learning, you started understanding it more and just it grew from there, really. I imagine that there are a lot of feelings that come with opening your first business, maybe excitement, maybe fear. Do you remember what you were feeling at the time that you were opening and how did you address or push past any challenging feelings that might have come up? 
I think honestly, it was really great because I really didn't have any fear. I just was like, oh, I, I got this. I can do this. I really was excited. I had the passion. And if you have the passion for whatever you're doing, you don't even care. You're actually at that point, not even looking at the money aspect of it. You're looking at, are you enjoying it? I remember I used to work seven days a week for years and years just because I loved it so much. And there was never enough hours in the day to do all that I wanted to do. So you think about it, like everything that you want to create, everything that you want to teach and educate, everything you want to put out there, everything you want to design in your, your new little space. And so it was very, very exciting for me and never a dull moment and it actually grew very quickly. We outgrew that first store in two years, was bursting at the seams. We were lucky. The rent was really good. That first rent that we had was excellent rent for a starter business, but we outgrew it quite quickly. And two years later, moved into a bigger space. Wow. Can you give a, and just thinking about your whole career in essential oils and aromatherapy, a couple of examples maybe of some of the custom work you've done without using names, but just to give an idea of how you create custom products and what the impact can be for the person who purchases them? Oh, yeah. So customs kind of came out of a person not finding what they want on the shelf or having allergies to certain scents or ingredients. And because we were working with natural products and selling other natural products, we had all the ingredients to customize for people. And really, initially, it was a lot of oil-based products like massage oil, bath oil, a hair oil, lotions, room sprays, you know, pretty simple roll-ons, things like that. But everyone seemed to have a different scent that they wanted. They were attracted to different things and they asked us if we could do that. And that's when we knew everyone should have their own choice because we couldn't possibly ever stock all of the products that people wanted. It would go old by the time it would all sell. So we knew that it should be done on the spot custom, which then led us into people asking for products that directly correlated to more of skin ailment things or things to help with sleep or nausea or very targeted things where people wanted it in the natural, where they were not able to find it at their local corner store or their pharmacy or the healthwood store, even at the time. Why I opened the very first store was from working in a really good natural food store. I mean, it was all organic, 100% organic. It was fabulous. But at that time, there weren't a lot of products that were of quality. There was a lot of food. But there wasn't natural products that were all organic and really high end. They were kind of eh, like a second thought, like you're eating the natural, but what you put on your skin, no one really had gotten too far with that at that time. So I knew there was a market for that. And initially, we carried a lot of products from other makers around the country. And I really looked for companies that were 100% natural, you know, even in their preserving methods and no fragrance oils whatsoever, no synthetic ingredients, chemicals, anything like that. So we were carrying other people's products, but what we found was more popular was people coming to us, asking us if we could create it for them over and over and over. And we're like, okay, this is more our business. They want our product. So with that happening in 2004, I'm going to say three, three, four, right around then, we switched over to our products only. I stopped as much as I loved a lot of these companies in the US. 
we developed our own line because we were making so many of them ourselves already at that point and everyone wanted our products. So then we just strictly went with so botanical and our product only and our custom only. And that's kind of how it progressed into that mode. But the customizing then took off to like businesses and things like that. That's a part of what we do, like behind the scenes, you might never know it's made by us because we might be a silent partner or we might create a scent for someone or we might create the products, but they have their own label on it. Or we go in and educate and help people start their own businesses that are working with natural product formulation, scent creation. So many people want a customized scent for their business. And we do a lot of that work too. How interesting that the customers led you in that direction. You know, it sounds like you didn't expect to have your own line and then they were telling you that's what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So in addition to offering essential oils in her own line of products, Teresa has also offered education around essential oils for decades, which makes sense, right? As she was such an early adopter of an advocate for the use of these oils in the United States. We were one of the first places that introduced aromatherapy to the East Coast and turned a lot of people onto it. But it was so it was in 1990. I started teaching in the late 80s. And then in 96, we had a very large facility and we had a area where we had the educational facility. So we were able to do classes quite a bit, almost every weekend doing a class. Either I was teaching it or I was teaching it with a partner that I used to do a lot of education with, or we were hosting teachers from around the world. We had some amazing teachers come through that were some of my teachers and we were selling out and people were coming from all over every state. And, and again, you got to remember this was so new in the United States. So it was a really fun time to learn from all these people that had been working with it for a long time and that had expertise in every aspect, the chemistry part of it, the botany part of it, the hands-on part of it, you know, working with animals, working with treatments, just every aspect that was so new to all of us and to really hear from the experts. It was really great. So that 96 store, that was where we had a full-on education facility. And at that time, I also was teaching at the Baltimore School of Massage myself. I had finished my massage school and I brought it there and we started introducing the essential oils to massage students, you know, instead of using the synthetic oils. Wow. So the education that was for customers as well as people who are in the industry, it sounds like, like sort of professional education? Very much so. Lots of hospitals, colleges, lots of massage therapists. I started doing a lot of spas, teaching people how to really be safe with it and how to utilize essential oils fully into treatment, not just giving a, a person a choice, you know, ABC, you know, making it really a more customizable experience while staying safe, teaching people how to really sell the oils and sell the products, you know, after they had a treatment, every aspect of it for that. But yeah, lots of education. I used to, oh my goodness, hospices, nursing homes, hospitals, spas, schools, other businesses, private homes. We were out there educating and it shifted a little bit after there was full on on the internet. So that's when we started seeing that change. When people are like, well, I can find a lot of this information on the internet. So then the education, I saw slightly wean. People didn't have as much interest in the, you know, hands-on learning, which 
I always loved because in this industry, you learn so much more by attending because it's all about smell and experience. And we're seeing that come back. People are wanting now more in person. There's a ton of great online, don't get me wrong, and I, I do a lot of the online, but I'm seeing the in-person classes around the country really start opening up again because you learn so much more to be right there with the smell, with other people. You learn from everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With aromatherapy in particular, I could see how important that is. So education is still a big part of what you offer? Huge, huge, because it sets us apart too, because we really do teach the quality that we're servicing. It's almost like if you don't do that, you can get clumped in with a lot of the bogus that's out there. There's a lot of people using the word aromatherapy, essential oils, and it has nothing to do with it. In this country, you know how we were saying Germany was ahead of the pack, the UK was ahead of the pack. They were also ahead of the pack with their regulations. Well, you couldn't use the term aromatherapy unless you were really doing And to this day, it's the same way, true aromatherapy. It couldn't be a product that's a synthetic air freshener spray that you can buy in a grocery store and call yourself aromatherapy. That would be against the law. So in the U.S., anyone can use the word aromatherapy. So what I see is a lot of false information. You know, several years back, this is just a little statistic, there was more than three quarters of lavender that was sold was not true lavender. So most of the lavender sold a handful of years ago, and I'm sure that was the last couple of years too, was synthetic lavender or adulterated lavender. It wasn't true lavender. There's a a fellow I did a lot of studying with. He's a chemist and scientist. He used to sell his own oils, but he really went into the education direction with this. But he tested every single oil on a very major brand seller that people buy from. And I'm not going to say the name, but... He tested every single one. He tested dozens and dozens of oils that he purchased and found that almost all of them, but I think there were two, were synthetic. They were either synthetically created or they were mixed with essential oils and synthetic. There was acetone found in a lot of them. They had really good price points. They're marketed heavily as true essential oils, but they were false you know, in nature. And to this day, I still see a lot of those companies on this buying site and people just don't know it. So then they wonder why are your oils a little more expensive? And you have to educate where these oils come from, how they're distilled, you know, the quality to use like something that had acetone in it. I mean, that's, that's horrific. That's, I hopefully a couple of those companies got flagged and they're not existing anymore, but that could be very, very harmful and detrimental. And also to our industry, people use an oil like that and burn their skin and have respiratory issues. It's, it's, it's not good. So we are sticklers. We are very proud on all of our products. We tell people exactly what's in it. We don't hide anything at all. I know a lot of companies do that. I can check companies and I can go down and go, Hmm, that's interesting. How is that going to stay preserved? How is that going to stay together? How is that going to, and a lot of people just highlight key ingredients like the coconut, the almond, the shea, the, you know, and they don't deal with the whole ingredient list. They might not reveal that it's got essential oils, but it also has synthetic oils in it. We're sticklers on that. So we're very proud and it's important to educate everyone that comes in here or that buys with us online, how great a product we really do have. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that about synthetic oils. 
and burning your skin. I've had that experience with a tea tree oil that I was mixing with like coconut oil to use as like a cold sore treatment. And every time it would get on my skin a little bit, it would, it would burn the skin and I would have, you know, a visible mark there or, you know, something that doesn't look that nice from where the tea tree oil hit my skin. Maybe I was dealing with some type of synthetic oil that was part of it and didn't even realize it. It's hard to say. It's billion dollar industry. There are companies out there, some of the multi-level marketing ones that are individually billion dollar companies for better or worse. They've put businesses like us, you know, on the map. And there's so many aromatherapy businesses now, but it also has created a lot of misinformation just for the sake of the dollar. Every day people come in here and we're educating, educating. And it's like what we did when we first started the natural food industry. It's people thought it was, you guys are weird. You know, it's just like, it's, it's, no, it's not. It's, it's just, you know, how we want it, you know, it's it's something good for you and it needs a little education, what it does for you and why it's worth it. So, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up about pricing too. I imagine that's a conversation you have a lot, right? Like why your price is different from somebody else and the quality of your product and the ingredients that go into it. So I think that's an important point. Yeah. And it varies. Sometimes we have fabulous sales, but I think what a lot of people don't realize as entrepreneur, and this is not just as an aromatherapy or natural body product industry. It's not just your rent and your overhead and your insurance and your advertising budget and your gas and electric. It's so much more of your costs, your payrolls and your everything you need to make your businesses attractive. It's your cleaning and it's like your decor and it's like, there's so much money poured in to people. I just love people that have small businesses and that really take pride in them because it's a lot more than just your basic utilities that you're paying. And if you're trying to grow, you have to really think, well, I got a lot of costs, you know, and just doing this. If I sold it only out of my kitchen, I can do it that way. You know, and that's a standard model. You can do it that way. I think you're wasting your time because what is your time worth? You know, I learned that over the years. What is my time worth? I've taken so many hours of education and tens of thousands of dollars on education. I mean, much more than that even. But what is it worth to you? So the pricing is always subjective, but we, we always try to be very, very fair. But this industry is not cheap. Natural is a lot more expensive than non natural at this point, at least. Yeah. I'll say as far as sales go, I recently picked up your chamomile toner for half price. So it's important to get on the mailing lists, I think, for the small businesses you enjoy so you can keep up with what's going on and not miss that stuff. Yeah. And those are some of my favorite ones. And we're not selling it because there's anything wrong. That was very, very, very fresh. It's just we're learning (laughs) and you learn you can't have every product on the shelf. Otherwise, it does a detriment, even though you want eight, 10 hydrolats, you know. Yeah, it's really nice. I'm really enjoying it. I wanted to ask more about, you mentioned your work with hospitals and nursing homes and hospice. What does that look like? How do you work with medical facilities? Well, did a lot of work where complementary care has been coming on in the last many years, quite big, and aromatherapy is used in different facilities. This state, I will tell you, Baltimore, I think is really behind a little bit on that compared to other states that I travel to, whether it's providing a different choice for people, especially when they're in a hospital bed, possibly on their tail end of their life, or they're in a medical crisis, and it's oftentimes used for the family, 
It could be to aid in the smell of the room, to aid in nausea, to aid in a, a whole list of things. And I've worked every area of that in, in hospitals because, again, we got calls and every situation was different. But uh, hospice is one of my favorites. And I truly want to do more work with that in the future where that's so rewarding, a tail end of one's life to work with beautiful natural smells. And I've found that really that's pretty much the last sensory to go. I worked with so many people that they're in a complete state, uh, a coma, you know, where you think, well, whether they're, they're not waking up anymore and they're at their tail, tail, tail end and working with them with some oils or anointing them, kind of bathing them before it's their time, you know, giving them a pamper and using the oils and actually allowing them to smell the oil right at that time. Almost all of them, actually all everyone I've ever worked with has inhaled deeply. When you incorporate a very good quality oil underneath someone's nose at the tail end, you'll notice they do recognize you're there because you'll see them inhale really deep. And you're like, wow, they can smell that, you know, and they're in a complete coma. You know, it's like to know you can help with that peace and the transition and that honoring where it's it's as big of honor as when one's born, you know, it's their departure and to not be afraid of it and to not shy away from it, but to embrace it. And I've had some of my most incredible experiences with working with the oils and the products at that time with people. So I definitely want to do more of that. Wow. It sounds like you've had some beautiful experiences. And as you were talking, I was thinking, that sounds like it might be emotionally challenging to work with people at the end of their life, but it doesn't sound like that's how you approach it. I guess it's all in how you think about death, right? Which is maybe a bigger discussion. Yeah. And then this is just such an honor. I've done numerous people where we actually say, let's take a warm, clean wet washcloth and take their favorite scent. What is their favorite scent that you knew of? If they don't know, oftentimes I'll work with oils like rose or some of the real spiritual sandalwood is a good one and give them a really nice, very gentle cleansing of the feet, cleansing of the hands, just some beautiful touching, very light touching. Everyone's sensitive at that time. You know, you don't use very much oil at all. People that are in that state, have a very heightened sensory, believe it or not. And so you don't want anything to be overwhelming. Everything just comfort, comfort, so they can feel that comfort and that love, you know, and it's special. It's not just like, oh, we can't look at this. This is something to be really celebrated. It's going to happen to all of us. Yeah, I, I, I love doing that work. Yeah, it sounds like a really beautiful experience for the people who are on the other side of it and for you as well, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So from here, Teresa shared about all the behind the scenes of being a business owner, the challenges, the risks, the things she's most proud of, the secret to her longevity, because she's had a store in some iteration that focuses on essential oils for more than 30 years. So she touches on things like the importance of passion when you're a small business owner, what it feels like to ask others to borrow money when she wanted to shift or grow the business, and how she's learned that sticking to one thing to start and doing it really well has its benefits. Teresa also talks about some events that are coming up at So Botanical, including an event about menopause that has passed by the time you were listening to this. But I kept that audio in the story to offer an idea of the types of education that So Botanical offers. 
So you have been in this industry and had various businesses for I don't know, what, 35 years or so about. What has been the secret to your longevity, do you think, to have your business? And I know it's shifted in name and everything, but to have it endure for so long. I've said it earlier, and I, I keep going back to this because I sometimes wonder myself, but it's passion for um, the subject, the 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 nucleus of all of it. And it's it's there's never enough time in the day to do everything that I want to do. And I, I love doing it. I'm surrounded by a great group of people. I couldn't do it now without a great group of people. One gal's been with me almost 30 years, 20 some years. Alex is with us. He just handles all the stuff that we never had to deal with a long time ago. You know, the online stuff, the social media, the accounts, that's stuff that I'm not good at. <laughs> Full disclosure, that is not my department. But I've learned to surround myself with people that do know how to do those things. And that's their magic, you know. So it allows me to do what I like best. And that is just the passion stuff, the art and science of it. It's coming up with new blends. It's the educating. It's turning people on to this, going out and speaking, whatever it is. But that's what I like to do. And it's just keeping it really, really fresh and I still have the passion for it. If there is a day that I am not interested in this anymore, you will see me not do it. Yeah, I can tell your passion definitely comes out even in just this this conversation. Have you had to take any risks along the way, would you say? I mean, you mentioned shifting to having your own line instead of bringing in other lines, but it doesn't sound like that felt like a lot. Did that feel like a risk? Because that's what people were asking for. No, that was easy. Some risks were some moves we made along the way into different locations, either because we outgrew it or because I had landlords that were absolutely horrific. You know, that's a whole different story, but I had to, even though I loved my store, I had to move for everyone's safety and well-being and things like that. And also having financial assistance a few times when, when we wanted to grow and shift things, you know, we needed some chunks of money where it wasn't just like we could do it on what we were making. And I've really never gotten a bank loan or anything like that until recently. But it was really people that trusted me. They gave me small amounts of money here and there that we paid back immediately. But that really trusted me. But it felt kind of scary because you're involving other people and, and money. And is this going to work? When we opened up the warehouse here, was that going to work out? You know, I never had a warehouse before, a big warehouse where we make everything. We outgrew everything. We were making it in a small basement in Federal Hill and we way outgrew it. But could we sustain a big warehouse? That was scary. I think every time you grow, you get nervous because then you're responsible for more and you're responsible for more people. And then it settles into a nice flow and then you get into that comfortable spot. But whenever you grow, you get into that, I guess, always for any entrepreneur, an uncomfortable space where, oh, we're, you know, going out on a limb here again. That's been happening for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like you just have to, you just do it, right? And yeah, feel all the it. feelings and see what happens. So, okay, great. So that's good to hear about the risks. Now, what are you most proud of in your career and in your businesses? Oh, that's, let's see. I'd say really staying true to holistic roots and teaching people they can be in charge of their own health. I know that sounds simplistic, but a lot of people don't take care of their health and a lot of people don't even know how naturally. It's more 
medicine or pill driven. So I think I'm most proud where I've helped people to find their own healing over the years and discover things that they never knew existed within themselves. And it opened up their life like what happened to me when I discovered it. It's witnessing it in so many people in themselves and giving people that power, giving them their power back to their own bodies. Yeah. Is there anything that you wish that people knew or that you strive to educate them about health other than being in charge of their own health? Anything other than that or aromatherapy or uh, essential oils in general? Yeah. Then we tell people this and the older I get, the more I think I'm a stickler on it. It's not that any, the aromatherapy is the magic bullet or it's not that aromatherapy or even natural body products or even natural supplements or herbal extracts. It's not like they're going to cure your ill or they're not going to just be the be end all of everything. It's takes other work too. It's a huge component. And that's where a holistic model comes in and diet is huge. I'm a proponent to really <laughs> tell people, watch what you put into your body. It's, it's huge. And then everything else you do on top of it becomes the cherry and the goodness. But yeah, it's all wound into one. Wow. Looking back, is there anything you wish you knew when you were starting out that you've learned along the way? Yeah, probably many things. Actually, that's, you know, as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, the things that you learn from mistakes or, and I don't look them at them as failures, but they sometimes are the biggest teachers and how you change direction or course with your business. But I probably would have honestly, and I, I don't take anything back, but I would have just stayed with the essential oils because I was one of the first in the country. We were wholesaling and I would have just kept that as my business instead of branching out into the products and the education. We got into massage therapy, into spa treatments, skin care classes and custom formulation. And, you know, that's the Gemini in me. I couldn't stick to one thing, but probably, honestly, I had a niche where we could have covered the entire market, where if I had just stayed in the oils, it might have been an easier business and maybe more profitable. I don't know, just staying with one thing, one direction and putting it online immediately. And and I didn't do that. You know, we're just, I was just too into the energetics of it and just really discovering every aspect of it. I did massage and um, craniosacral and holistic energetic treatments for, oh gosh, over 13 years. That was a big part of our business. People loved coming in and we had really gorgeous treatment rooms and they'd get a great treatment and then they could come out afterwards and buy the product or get something customized. You know, it was a real special area for them. Would you have any advice for other small business owners about anything? We talked about the passion, but about anything else that comes to mind? I'd say really narrow it down. And we kind of talked about this too. Don't try to do everything at once. Don't try to have all your ideas happen at once. Try to work with a singular, something you're really, really interested in. And again, that should be your passion. It can be too much to to handle every aspect of it. Get help, find really good help, start real small. I coach a lot of people that are want to create their own product lines and businesses and, and they're working in their kitchens, which is a great place to start. But it sometimes is overwhelming for them because they want to have the business in the store and the online. And I said, just start with one product and get it right. Get it so good that everyone will want that one product, you know, and then if it becomes two product, three product, whatever, do you. I see so many people over the years that have come into my stores and they're like, I want to do exactly this. I even saw people open up a couple of places that looked identical to mine. 
and almost have the same model and copy and it never lasted because that really wasn't their work. You know, that wasn't their passion. It looked great and everything, but that was not really them. That was just what they thought would work because, you know, they saw someone else doing it. So hone it in, hone it in and natural may not be for you. You know, like that's my model, the natural and the stickler. A lot of people don't want to pay the expenses that it costs to do almost all organic, really good quality oils, really good bottles, um, things like that. People have to make their own choices and see what is going to work for them. Yeah. I think that's an important point about focusing on one thing at a time, one product at a time. I think that advice could transfer into starting almost anything new, right? You can get so overwhelmed with all the pieces that are involved. You never get started, but if you just like dial it back, just focus on this one thing and then you take the next step. That seems like a good way to go. Also, this is something I learned in the way I just thought of this. Don't wait until it's perfect to put it out. You know how we always, oh, that the website's not, no, I don't like the way that looks. I want it better. I want better pictures. I want better quality this. I want, I want different. I want it different written. I want it different. Then you wait and you never put it out there. That's what really I did in the 80s with the oils. I didn't think I had a stylish enough product or know-how to go online and do my essential oils. And now looking back at it, I'm like, it didn't have to be perfect. It just had to get out there because I would have kept tweaking it over the years, just like we have with all of our products and with our labels and our stores and our facilities, you know, you keep working on it and that's going to change no matter what, but don't wait. Some people think they don't start doing like the podcast. They don't do the blog. They don't do the the marketing because they think it has to be perfectly done. Really, it's in the content and then you just keep tweaking it. It'll never be perfect. I mean, I always like look at my own life. Like, oh my goodness, we got to change that, 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 that's going to be changed. That's different. That's different. But you know what? We have something up now and it's always going to change. Yeah. I like that you mentioned podcasting too. I was thinking about that with, you know, like you said, any kind of project, you just got to get it out there. You can't wait. All right, great. So is there anything coming up for So Botanical this summer? Any events you have planned, new product launches, anything you want to share? Yeah, we do a lot of events here at the warehouse. It's a dynamo spot. In the summer, it's really fun because we've got our fire bowl outside. We've got a gorgeous space outside. So a lot of people come by and visit. And it's almost like an experience. You can just enjoy our outside while you're enjoying our inside. Once a month, we do a really fun event called Wisdom and Wine. It's usually the third Wednesday of the month, but sometimes it varies. It's always online. Each month, it's a different topic. It's a five 45 to 7 p.m. real quick wine time and we discuss different subjects next week it's mental health month so we're doing actually menopause that's going to be a fun one we'll talk about oils good for it products good for it but also stories everyone's going to be chiming in on this one it should be really fun light spirited too um but you know just learning about from everyone because everyone has a different experience with it. And it doesn't always start when you're in your fifties or sixties. There are women that start with it in their thirties and forties. And honestly, I wish I had known my thirties and forties from other women, all this information about it. So that's this month's, but we host a lot of events here that are catered to what we do in our custom formulating. So we do a lot of happy hours or corporate where they want to give back to their employees, where they get to 
enjoy a little time here, but then they might have a little education component to it, or they get a custom blend at the aromatherapy bar here. Everyone's event is different. Those are, you know, scheduled out. We do yoga events here where it's yoga, and then there's a component after with custom blending at the bar. It changes so much, but the outdoors is premier in the summertime. So definitely come and see that at the warehouse and we've got great parking. So it's not like the federal hill where there's not as much parking. That's important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. I'm definitely going to try to get down there this summer. Yeah, definitely. And products, we're always coming out with new products. We have a brand new product coming out. It's for the skin. It's for our skincare line, powder power, skin booster. It's an amazing 11 or 12 ingredient powder that can be incorporated with your skin routine that boosts your skin. A lot of high density ingredients and you can mix it with oil or wash or food products and you utilize it on your skin for fruit enzymes and things like that. We've got a bunch of new products actually coming out this summer, but that's one of the ones that you're going to see really soon. All right. So I want to thank Teresa Cangelosi so much for being a guest on today's episode. I really enjoyed hearing about Sobotanical's evolution, and I hope you did as well. Some of my takeaways from this episode are all the really great advice Teresa gave at the end here about learning to do one thing really well. When you start something new, it's it can be very easy to get so overwhelmed with all the things you could be doing once you get to a certain level, right? That it's hard to get your mind to dial it back and just focus on one thing. But I think that's good advice to just zone in on on one thing that you're working on. In this case, it's a product. If you have a business like Teresa's, I know for me with the podcast, I was when I was starting it, I was always like, I'm just going to one episode, one episode, one episode. I'm not going to think to the future. I'm just going to try to get one done. And if you can dial it back, it kind of helps a little bit ease those feelings of overwhelm. I also really thought Teresa's advice about not waiting to put something out there until it's perfect was a very important point. I think so many of us can have that tendency to not want to put things out there because they could be better, they could be better, they could be better. But you can really get bogged down by that and just never make any progress. And then to build on what Teresa said, if you do get bogged down by comparison as well, thinking that your product or your piece of content or whatever it is has to be as good as what someone else with five or 10 or 20 years of experience in the industry is making, you'll never get started. So I identify with that for sure. And then the last thing that stuck out to me is how important passion has been to Teresa's success. You know, she was starting this business in essentially a new industry. Not a lot of people knew about essential oils in the United States. And I thought that a lot of fear would come with that, that she might be a little scared and have to push past some of those feelings, but she said she really didn't because she had the passion. I don't know if I have anything deeper to say about that, but it is really sticking with me how far passion can take you when you have it. So I thank you so much for listening today. I'm so happy whenever anyone chooses to spend some time with this podcast. If you ever want to be a guest on the show or you just want to get in touch, please don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram. I'm at We Built This Life. And until next time, I'll see you soon. Have a great day. Thank you for listening today to We Built This Life. If you enjoyed the show or if you have constructive feedback, I would love it if you would leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also come say hi on Instagram. I'm at We Built This Life. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please get in touch. I would love to hear from you. Have an amazing day and I'll see you soon.